When Jesus had finished the story of the wise and foolish builders, the people around him had a few things they wanted clarified. So, Jesus, my daddy is in construction, and you're a carpenter, right? So, like, as long as the foundation is built, like, what even matters? Like, I mean, believe me, I think you're Superman and all that good stuff, but I just really get confused sometimes when we're talking about this. Like, what are we building? Ooh, that's a good one. In my opinion, I think Jesus is the first Superman. Amen! So, after that resurrection and all, would you consider me for the headship over the Church of Philippi? Hey, I just gotta say one thing. The island Patbos is going to suck the most. Dude, what's wrong with you? So, Jesus, in 2,000 years, when people finally figure out that you're not white, what are they even going to do? I mean, I mean, honestly, I was wondering the same dang thing last week. I do believe what he's trying to say is one day he'll be a Chevy man. What's the point? Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you guys. It's also so good to be back in person. Hopefully you guys enjoyed having the fourth off and being able to take that time. If you have not been here in the last couple of weeks because of the fourth or because of Camp Kids Summit, we are in this incredible series called What's the Point? Jonathan has done an awesome job setting up the first two parables and talking about some of those. So if you haven't checked those out, I encourage you to go back, watch them online, get called up because Jonathan did an incredible job with those. Today is going to be no different, though. We're going to open up in God's Word and jump straight into a parable that Jesus is teaching again. So if you have your Bibles, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 24 through 27. But while some of you guys are flipping and turning there, I want to go ahead and set the stage and kind of prepare and kind of put, put, put a picture of what's going on with this parable that Jesus is teaching and kind of some backstory around it. So the first thing we see is actually coming from chapter 5. We see that Jesus sees this large crowd starting to gather around him. And so he decides to kind of move up the side of this mountain and start preaching and teaching off the side of this mountain. This is where we get the Sermon on the Mount. I know it's a really clever name. It took a lot of genius to think of that one, but this is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it is one of Jesus's probably most famous um, sermons or lessons or things that he taught on. Um, he taught a lot um, in this particular sermon. He taught on lust and anger and forgiving other people and how do we, um, how should we pray? What does it look like to be the salt and life of the earth? All these things um, he, God gives us. There's a golden rule there. Again, Jesus taught on so, so much. Um, and so we're kind of at the end of that massive sermon, the end of this teaching, and this is the conclusion. This is the end of all that. And Jesus is kind of painting a picture to kind of wrap all this up together. So that's kind of the text. That's kind of what we're looking at coming out of this sermon on the Mount that Jesus is teaching. So let's turn to the scripture and let's read it together. Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse 24, it says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Again, 
Now, this is the end of Jesus' teaching, and I feel like he uses this parable, he uses this illustration for a very specific reason. He wants to paint an illustration, he wants to paint this picture for us, and from this, from the scripture, we can see a wise man and a foolish man. And Jesus says in this story, in this illustration, we have here the wise man hears Jesus' words and does them, and this is like building your house on the rock. The foolish man, though, Jesus says, hears his words and doesn't do them is like building your house on the sand. And so again, I think Jesus is using this for a very specific reason. I think Jesus is using this to paint this mental picture for everyone who's listening in the crowd. And when I, when I, when I read this, when I think about this, my first response is, okay, I, I want to be like the wise man, Jesus. I don't want to be the foolish man. I want to be like the wise man. I want to follow what you're, what you're saying here. So what, what's the point? What, is, what does all this mean? What am, I, what am I supposed to learn from this? I want to be like that wise man. So the first thing that I want us to kind of look at, the first thing that I want us to talk about is, is the storm itself. Now, when you, when you look at the storm, I don't want you to think just light little rain or pitter-patter. I want you to think blowing winds, trees bending, roofs getting blown off house, it beating down. I want you to think of floods where the water is all the way up, where the water is coming into the house, where there is nothing left. I want you to think of that. Think of hurricane, think of crazy storm, think of a big storm. This is not some little storm because the reality for all of us is we know that when a storm hits, it's big. When a storm hits us in our life, it's hard. It's not easy. It's difficult. They're not just little storms. It feels like it is earth shaking, earth rocking when that storm finally hits us in our life. But here's something really important. Here's the first thing that I want us to kind of learn and to see from this passage. One of the first things that we should notice from this passage is that the storm that we see here is the same for both men. In verse 25, what does it say? He says, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew. In verse 27, the house that was built on the sand, the rains fell, the floods came, the wind blew. He tells us, he tells us that the trials are the same for both of them, the wise man and the foolish man. The trials are the same. The wind came for both, the rain came for both, the floods came for both. Both of them experience the storm. Both of them experience the hardship of this. No one is exempt from this in life. And that should be, honestly, probably our first takeaway, is that you are not exempt from the trials of life. And I know that's it's like, oh, okay, not a, not a great way to start a message, not what I want to hear this morning, but it's, it's the reality of what Jesus is teaching and preaching here. You may think, oh, I'm a Christian, nothing bad is going to happen to me, my life is going to be easy peasy, everything is going to be great, everything is going to be good, but this is not what Jesus is promising us. This is not what Jesus is telling us. If you haven't or don't know this already, maybe this part of the message is just for you here today. Following after Jesus, Christianity is not just asking Jesus into your heart and then thinking everything is going to be smooth, thinking that everything is going to be easy from this day forward. The reality, the the truth of this is that's false. And and I often call it a, a false gospel. You're setting yourself up for disappointment if you think that it's all just going to be easy, if it's, if it's all just going to be good from here. Jesus is telling us right here in this passage, the rain, the flood, the wind, it's for everyone. It's going to hit everyone. It's going to be hard for everyone. No one is exempt from this in life. And I can sit here and say this morning, I've had my fair share of storms. I've had my fair share of things that have been difficult. The first one and the biggest one that I ever went through is when I lost my dad in high school to cancer. It wrecked me. It was hard. It was devastating. I was not prepared for that storm. I was not prepared what that was going to do, and it altered and changed my life forever. It was devastating for me. 
The second big storm I remember um, is when Caitlin and I first got married. We were excited and eager to do ministry. We couldn't wait to jump in and, and see what the Lord was going to do. And so we took a job at a nonprofit organization, and we were so excited to work there and just get a job. They're like, hey, you can work here, but we can't guarantee you a paycheck every week. And we're like, that's totally fine. That's going to be great. No big deal at all. And then the first month came, and rent was due, and we're looking around going, how are we going to eat this month? We didn't get paid. And so suddenly all of that stress and all of that worry of what did I just do? I just got married. I now have somebody that I'm supposed to provide for and take care of and the stress and the worry. And if you've ever been in that situation, like that financial pressure is crippling and it's terrifying. But like we've, we've all have had storms. Maybe for you it's been health. Maybe for you it's been family. Maybe it's your kids, your marriage. We, we've all have gone through storms. And Jesus again is saying we're all going to have storms. The storms of life are common to us all. The difference is not that you don't have storms as a Christian. The difference is that as a Christian, you have a foundation that holds you up through the storm. I can't stress that enough. You will have a foundation that will hold you up through the storm. The reason losing my dad was so tough and the reason it was so hard for me is because I did not have that foundation at that time. I was not walking with the Lord. I didn't have my life built around that and it was devastating for me. The storm blew me over. The second story I shared about going through that first little bit of marriage, by that point, I was following after the Lord. I was building my foundation on him, and it was hard. It was difficult at times, but I was able to get through it. And that's the reality is I'm not saying that you're not going to get smacked by a storm at some point. I'm not saying that it's still not going to be hard. I'm not saying that it won't be the hardest thing you maybe ever have gone through. But the difference is there is that you will have that foundation built upon Jesus, and Jesus will be the one to get you through it. Jesus will be that foundation that carries you through that storm, and it won't be you having to get through it yourself because that foundation is built upon the rock, not sand. And so if you talk to any builder, if you talk to any construction worker, they will all say the foundation is not, if the, not the most important part of building a house or, or a building or any kind of structure. When it comes to building something, you won't, you have to have a great foundation or it will collapse. And so when I think about this parable and I look at these two men, the wise man and the foolish man, the foolish man, I, I see him and I imagine him just going out with no preparation. He just finds a spot. He likes it. He begins to build his house in sand, as we all know. It is unstable. It begins to give. It's ever-changing and kind of moving underneath your feet. It's not stable at all. And so I, I just imagine him going with no preparation. And I, I'll admit there's been moments in my life, there have been times in my life where I've been like this and so I haven't built a good foundation and I've been either thinking because of my ego that I'll be okay, that I'll make it, that it won't be that rough or just because I've been lazy and haven't been wanting to put in the work. I've, I've not really had a strong foundation at moments in my life. But on the other hand, we see the wise man who is building his house in the sand and I imagine him putting in the hard work. I imagine him digging down deep digging past the sand, digging deeper than the other guy till he reaches that bedrock, till he reaches that firm foundation. And then once he has it, he then begins to build his house. He was willing to put in the work. And I believe in what Jesus is trying to tell us right here in this passage is that, that that's, that's what we need in our life. That's what all of us need here today is we need to build our foundation on something that doesn't move, that can't change, and is stable in the difficult and hard moments of this life. But the reality is, is that it takes work, it takes energy, and we're going to have to be somebody who's willing to dig past what is just easy and simple to set up a real firm foundation. So what, is, what does this look like? What does it look like to build your life on the rock? What does it look like to build a firm foundation? Well, 
Again, remember in this illustration that Jesus is giving us here, he's painting a picture. And he says in verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a man who built his house upon the rock. In this illustration, Jesus specifically is trying to tell us and point to us the fact that the man who hears my words and acts upon them, who does them, is the man who builds his house on the rock. The man who builds his house on the sand and is someone who hears my words and does not do them. Again, I cannot stress this enough. Building your house on the rock means doing what Jesus says. You've got to do it. You've got to live it out. You've got to apply it. Building your house on the sand means not doing what Jesus says. It means you simply hear it, you just listen to it, but then you don't live it out. You don't act on it. You don't actually do anything with it. The only difference here between these two men is the fact that one was willing to do it and the other one did not. And I think this is important for us as a church. I think this is important for us as a church group to not just blow, like blow past this, but for us to really get this and to understand this. So I'm going to be bold here for a moment. I'm going to be a little honest. I might step on some toes. Um, Jonathan may ask me to not preach again. We'll see what happens. But I think for a lot of us, it's easy for us to say, oh, I go to church every Sunday. I listen to a message. I, I listen to my favorite preacher on a podcast. I listen to him in the car. I, I worship. I, I drop a little money in the offering plate every once in a while. Now that, that, that's good, right? I, I've built my foundation on the rock. And Jesus is over here saying, that's not it. That's not it. You've not built your foundation. The difference here between these two men was not that one came and listened and the other one didn't. The difference was not that one man came to church or was religious and the other one didn't. The only difference is that the two men here, one did what Jesus said and the other one did not. So again, at the end of this, the greatest sermon, in my opinion, that's ever been preached, the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, and he's stressing this in this illustration, trying to drive this point home with the people, there is one thing that we all have to get. There's one thing that I want you to understand. Merely hearing... What I have just said in this message is not enough. You've got to do it. You've got to apply it. You've got to live it out. That should be what your life looks like. And I find this so interesting that because at the end of chapter 7, at the end of when Jesus finished this, it says, The crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he was teaching as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And in my mind, I, I picture this as all these people leaving the Sermon on the Mount and they're going out and they're going back to their towns and they're going back to their villages and I can just hear them saying like, oh my gosh, have you heard Jesus? Have you heard what he's been preaching on and teaching on? He's not boring like all the other rabbis. He's, he's got these amazing stories. He's got these amazing illustrations. He, he really makes me think. He, he gives me all these questions to think about. He, I feel like I've responded because I've, I've heard the message of Jesus. And Jesus is over here saying, no, you've, you've missed the whole point. It's not only hearing what I've said, but it's doing. It's living it out. James chapter 1, verse 22 also mirrors the same idea. James chapter, 20, James chapter 1, 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. James is backing this up and he's stressing that point again. We have to do what the, what the word says. We have to do what Jesus says. If not, we are deceiving ourselves. Because the one who hears the word often thinks that they've done all that they needed to do. They think that they can check that box off for the week. Oh, I went to church. I've done what I needed to do. I'm good for this week. And I think this really gets at the heart at it for so many people. And so for so many of us here at the church today, we walk out of services feeling really good about ourselves. 
Like, yep, yeah, we listened to a good message. Jonathan did a great job. Or the pastor I was listening to on that podcast really did a good job. That was, that was a good message. I think I'm good for this week. But all we have done is just hear the word, but we are not living it out. We are not applying it to our lives. This reminds me of a, of a series Jonathan did a while back where he was stressing and, and challenging us to look at the other 167 hours in our week. We come to church on, on a Sunday, we spend one hour here, we listen to the, the preaching, we worship, we sing, we do all these things, but what does the rest of your week look like? What does the rest of those 167 hours look like? Are you applying it? Are you living it out? Are you practicing what you've been hearing? Here's, here's the most fascinating thing to me about this whole part. When I, when I was reading this and I was putting all this together, I thought about King Herod. King Herod was, was a wicked king who lived during the time of Jesus and John the Baptist. And at this time, um, King Herod was committing adultery with his brother's wives. Um, but what was interesting is that he arrested John the Baptist for preaching against what he was doing. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 20, it says this, that Herod used to enjoy listening to him preach. So we have this king living in open adultery who is openly sinning, but he says that he enjoyed listening to God's word and enjoyed listening to him preach. I feel like the hard truth, and even for myself at times, the hard truth for a lot of us is that a lot of us are just like King Herod. We like hearing the message. We like hearing it being preached, but we don't want to apply it to ourselves. That's, that's too messy. That's too difficult. That's too hard. So we enjoy hearing it, but we don't want to apply it. Being a Christ follower, being that wise man who builds your house upon the rock is not just about hearing the word. You've got to do it. There's a, there's a quote that I love that we've, we've said it a couple times around here um, at the office, and this, this quote has really stuck with me. We can't pick and choose what we will obey. We can't pick and choose what areas we will allow God to control in our lives. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Church, I'm going to say that one more time because this one hits me hard. We can't pick and choose what we will obey. We can't pick and choose what areas we will allow God to control in our lives. Partial obedience is still disobedience. I'm going to say this as clearly as I can. Church, we are saved by grace, through grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross. But when we are saved, I believe that there should be fruit. There should be the, the showing of fruit of us doing what Jesus has told us to do. If we are his disciples, if we're following after him, we should have that fruit of showing and living out what Jesus has called us to do. We can't just read it. We can't just listen to it. We've got to apply it. And I say all this to say that I think that when we actually really dive deep into God's word, when we begin to read it and understand it, this book, the Bible, has the ability to transform and to change our lives in ways that we can't possibly even begin to imagine. I've got a friend. Um, he, was a, he was a good friend of mine in college. He grew up in a great Christian home, had great Christian parents. Um, but when he got into college, he started hanging out with the wrong crowd. He slowly started making wrong decisions. Long story short, um, after his third DUI, there was no way to get out of it. The lawyers couldn't help him anymore. He had to serve some time in prison. Um, and I remember him calling me before he went in and him being scared and him questioning what had happened, where did he go wrong, what was, what was going on in his life. And he was, he was, the storm of life had beaten him down and he didn't know what was going to happen next. And so we stayed in touch through his time in prison and we would write letters back and forth to each other and I was able to buy him a Bible and, and send it to him and they, they allowed him to have it and he got to keep it and he began to read it in, in his time while he was there. 
And he would write back to me the things that he was learning, the things that he was reading, the things that he was applying, even while he was in prison for, for what he could do. And it began, it began to transform. It began to, to change his life. And now, thankfully, he's, he's finished serving that time and he's out. And so we keep in touch and we still talk. And literally the word of God from what he read and the time that he spent in it, the way it transformed and changed his life, he's considering into going into ministry now. He wants to serve the Lord with the rest of his life. Um, we were joking the other night. He wants to start a podcast um, called Fell Into Fellowship. And I think it's a really clever name, but um, I was like, hey, I'll sign up. I'll be your first subscriber. But again, like this is somebody who literally grew up Knowing what God's word was, knowing what God's word said, hearing it in church all the time, but he stopped applying it. He stopped living it out. And it wasn't until he dove back into it and started reading it again and applying it again that his life was transformed. And so that is what I want for all of us. I want all of us to be there. I want us to be transformed by God's word. So how do we do this? How do we build our life on the rock? What does that look like? How, how do we begin to do this? Well, for the disciples back in their day, it was really easy. When Jesus would say, hey, do this, they could just do it. Jesus would say, hey, Matthew, leave your tax office and come follow me, and he could just do it. Uh, he'd tell his disciples, hey, take these loaves and fish and go feed these people. They could just go do it. But for us, things are a little bit different today. We don't have Jesus physically here among us like we did, uh, like the disciples did. And so for us, we have to know and understand God's word. If we want to follow after him, if we want to begin to build our life on following Jesus, we have to know his word. We have to know what he's commanded us. We have to know what he's told us and what he's asking of us. This is, this is kind of scary. These are some statistics that kind of blow my mind a little bit when I was looking this up. It says about 15% of Christians read their Bible every day. That one, kind of, that one kind of shocked me a little bit. I thought it was going to be higher, but it's 15% of Christians read their Bible every day. 20% this is a separate group. Only 20% said that they read it once a week. And usually that's on Sunday morning at church. That one hurt a little bit as well. The last one really blew my mind. Four out of five Christians have never read the entire Bible. Never read it Genesis, Genesis to Revelations. I've never read it all the way through. So many of us are walking around not, have read, not, have, not reading the Bible, not have read the whole Bible. We don't even know what God is asking of us to how to build a foundation, to how to follow after him, to begin to know what that even looks like. And maybe you are reading scripture, and I'm gonna get on a soapbox here for a second. I, I stress this with students a little bit. If you are reading, and it's a devotional, and you're reading one scripture verse a day, you're basically on a starvation diet from scripture. Like we need to be consuming it. We need to be reading it. We need to be diving into it at all times. And if you're just reading one verse from a devotional, you're, you're, you're on a starvation diet. Because, I say this, because you cannot obey and live out what you don't even know. We as Christians, if we, we don't even know what Jesus is asking of us. We don't even know what he's commanding of us. We don't even know how to build that foundation because we aren't spending enough time reading his word, following after him. And so some of you guys are sitting here like, okay, Travis, I'm practical. Give me some steps. What do I need to do? How do I start working on this? This is where my brain goes. The first thing, the first thing that I think that we, all of us need to do is we need to invest the time into reading scripture. We've got to start reading scripture. We've got to start being hungry for scripture. We've got to want to dive in and study it and read it. I am consumed with it. I'll admit, not in the beginning. When I was first starting out, it was difficult. It was hard. The book of Numbers kicked my butt because it felt a little boring at times. Um, if you've never read Numbers, when you do, you'll understand why. But again, we've got to start wanting to read and understand and invest our time in, in, in reading scripture. 
If we're not, then we're, we're missing out on what Jesus is asking. The second thing, and this is where it gets a little hard, we've got to start inspecting our current foundation. Inspect that current foundation that you have. What is your life based off right now? What, what worldviews or other things are you allowing to make the decisions in your life? Are you allowing it to be scripture or have other things crept in and are allowing you to base how you make decisions and how you live your life? The third thing is once you've got a foundation going, you have to continue to maintain it. You have to continue to work at it. You can't let it just fall off to the wayside because there will be cracks. There'll be moments where it might get a little banged up and you're going to have to continue to build it and make sure that it's okay. So, this means maybe you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. When you're thinking through this and you're looking at your foundation, when you're trying to maintain it, maybe you need to ask some hard questions in your life. When's, when's the last time you purposely changed something in your life because you read it in God's word? When's the last time that somebody did something or said something to you and it was offensive and you were ready to let them have it? You were ready to reply back in the email. You were ready just to get your kids for what they just did. But then you remember in Proverbs that a gentle answer turns away wrath, so you let it go. When's the last time you prayed differently or you prayed for somebody differently because you remember how Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6? When's the last time you didn't feel like forgiving someone or you didn't feel like letting that go, but then you remember that God commanded you to forgive others the way that he has forgiven you? Like church, if you're having difficulty coming up with some of these things, you're having a difficult time answering some of these questions, like we might be in trouble. And I have to admit, I'll be the first one to admit, for me, as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, it feels good when people say, hey, you did a great job. That was a great message. I really enjoyed listening to it. But the most encouraging thing is when I have someone tell me that, hey, I, I began to apply what you were teaching. I began to live out what you were doing. We did, a, we did a series a couple weeks back in student ministry on prayer, and I had a student come back and say, hey, my prayer life has changed because I'm, I'm praying differently. I'm doing it the way that you taught. My hope and my prayer for all of you would not be that you would tell me, good job, that was a great message at the end of this message today. My hope and my prayer would be that next week when I see you guys again or later in the month or whenever that next time may be, you might say, Travis, I'm, I'm applying it. I'm taking that step of faith. I'm living out what God has said. I'm not just listening to what you said on a Sunday. That would be the most encouraging thing. That would be the most uplifting thing. Because if we are just here to listen to God's word and to not live it out, to not do it, then we're building our life on the sand. We're missing the whole point that Jesus was trying to teach us. I know that I needed this message today. And I feel like, and I, I feel like, and I believe this, it's time for so many people in our churches today to start living out what God has said, what God has commanded to us. I feel like over the years we've become deceived and we've been laid back thinking, oh, we've done it. We've built our life on the rock. I've made it to this point. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do on Sunday. I'm checking those boxes off. But I feel like Jesus is standing over there saying, you've missed the point. You've been building your foundation on the sand. So I want to go back for a second. I want to reread James 1 in its entirety. James 1 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately, forgets what he looks like. This, this verse, this passage, it's hard, it's difficult. It's challenging us to do what scripture says. It's challenging us to live that out. 
Because the reality for all of us, the truth for all of us is this. We are all going to be tested. We are all going to have storms in this life. Jesus is saying the rain is going to come, the wind is going to come, the floods are going to come. We're all going to have those trials. But how, how are you going to stand against those things? Are you going to fall or are you going to have your life built upon the rock? And Jesus, again, is illustrating and saying, again, it depends on this one thing. It depends on have you built your life around me? Have you built your life on me? Are you doing what I've told you to do? Powerful words by Jesus. Let me pray for you guys. Father, we come before you in this moment, thankful for your word, thankful for this message. Father, I pray for myself. I pray for everyone here listening that we can be like the wise man who builds our life and our foundation upon the rock. Father, I, I pray right now that you begin to ignite and light a fire in all of our hearts to want to read your word, to want to study it, to want to understand what you're telling us, what you're asking of us, how you want us to follow after you. And then, Father, I pray for the boldness for all of us to live it out, to apply it, to do it. Father, let us be like that wise man who lives out your word, lives out the things that you're asking of us. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the worship that we were able to have together this morning. It is in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.